I just encourage people to persevere and listen, listen to your voices um, that that point your ship. Um, but you you have to keep you have to keep grinding because um, it's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for for Matthew, Walid, or, or Ben, um, or Chase. Even every day, I'm sure Chase wakes up with with a struggle. Um, and so that's okay. Um, but you have to keep fighting. I'm guessing you all are familiar with Clubhouse, right? The uh, the hot new little social media app there I was chatting about. I think it's cool. Obviously, I like audio, but I've had a podcast for something like 12 years now. Um, and if you are unfamiliar with it, it's basically a room where there are a couple people on a virtual stage and you get to have a conversation. And just like in a um, in a virtual sort of setting where there's a stage and an audience, you can ask questions if you're in the audience in a lot of these these uh, situations. They have a moderator and this, imagine just an audio version where um, I'm going about my day, but I'm sitting in a room at the same time as you are uh, and we're talking, listening, and, and um, that is what Clubhouse is. And if you already know Clubhouse, then forgive me for that 30-second digression, but uh, in short, I'm on Clubhouse and I'm having a great time there. I've had a couple of good conversations um, on topics from creativity, entrepreneurship, chasing dreams, uh, the biggest mistakes, uh, failures. And that's what today's episode is about. It's about a recording that I, uh, uh, one of these rooms in clubhouse, uh, where in this particular room, I joined a couple of other photographer friends, Ben Von Wong, uh, and, uh, shout out to Von Wong who organized this as myself and him and Tim Tatter and, uh, hosted by a couple guys, Walid and Matthew, uh, and the, the title of this conversation and the clubhouse meeting is things photographers spend too much time talking about. Now, to be clear, this idea of photographers talking about these things. Um, yes, we are photographers and we figured that there were uh, a lot of folks who would see that title and come running. But this has almost nothing to do with photography and everything to do with being a creator. This is not about uh, photography widgets and lenses and uh, photo shoots, but this is about career choices. It's about following your heart. Um, so I feel like also it's not really about what we, um, <laughs> not what we spend too much time talking about, but the spin that I tried to put on this conversation is what we actually don't talk about in our pursuit of our dreams that we should. So. Um, specifically a couple of bullet points here. We talk about goals that aren't serving us. Well, we've all got a few of those. Uh, we, we make a goal and we realize that that goal isn't in line with our true dream in life or it's a distraction. Um, we talk about the difference between short-term vision and long-term vision. I feel like so much of the, the success and fulfillment that I've been able to create for myself around photography had to do with being able to afford to be in a long-term vision and being able to eat rice and beans, both figuratively and literally on my journey such that I didn't have to, uh, basically get consumed or, uh, have my boat flipped by the short term vision. Um, we also talk about wandering off of our path, the path that we feel like when we sit down and, and are quiet with ourselves where we can see, see a future for us in this amazing world that we've created to say that every once in a while we wander from that path, that would be an understatement. Um, it's a lot of the stuff that I talked about in creative calling this, this idea of, of a path and how we weave back onto our path 
and are true and honest with the things we ought to be doing in the world. And then uh, I think the last bullet point here is just this, this idea of seasons. I mean, think about it, right? In sports, you don't, you know, the NFL doesn't go year round, you know, you don't play a game every Sunday for 52 Sundays. And if you think of uh, right now outside, whether you're in the Southern Hemisphere, the Northern, Northern Hemisphere, there's a season, right? And maybe it's summer where you are right now. And just, you know, a short bit ago, it was winter and it was dark at a certain time. Well, that mother nature has cycles and seasons uh, should be a good indicator that we too as humans have those things. So if any of this sounds interesting and you want to hear from a couple other smart, uh, successful creators and entrepreneurs, I think you're going to get a, a bunch of value from this conversation. So I'm going to stop talking now and intro this thing, let you uh, um, sit sit there and enjoy our clubhouse conversation. And again, if you do want to um, tune into more of these conversations, I'm just like on all social channels. I'm at Chase Jarvis. I would love to get your follow there. And uh, I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy the show. Hey, this episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. And you're like, isn't that the platform that you uh, are the founder and CEO of? Yes, it's true. I am the founder of Creative Live and they are the underwriter for the show. But it, it goes beyond that. This is not about a transaction. You know that I believe so deeply in the power of creativity to affect change, to get us unstuck and to uh, unlock the, the things, the beliefs, the dreams that we have for this one precious life. And there is no better way of doing that than learning from the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, this is where the best teachers in the world teach photography, video, art, design, music, audio, business, and ultimately the ability to make a living and a life in any or all of those disciplines in a way that you want to. And the best way to do that, bar none, is through the creator path, which is the subscription that we have unlocked now at Creative Live. It used to be like a hundred bucks for a class. Now for a hundred and change, you can unlock thousands of classes, tens of thousands of hours from the world's top creators. So where do you go to get the best price on that? That is creativelive.com slash creator pass, all one word. Best price is there. I wanted to say thank you in advance. If you already have the pass, cool. Give me a shout out. I will give you a high five on social. And if you don't, now is a great time to pick it up. Speaking of the devil, here's Chase. Chase. Good what up, morning Chase? or afternoon. Hello, hello. I, I like being referred to as the devil. <laughs> uh, thanks for, for uh, putting this together. I'm really excited to be here with you all today. Absolutely. I'm happy I just reached out to you randomly on Twitter and uh, that you were kind enough to respond. I was uh, interviewed by Walid and Matthew here on Clubhouse under the Photography Masterclass uh, a couple months ago, or maybe, well, not even that long, um, one month ago, and it was such a great experience. They did a ton of amazing prep, and so I just thought, why not? continue this conversation here and get a couple people up on board. I'm sure they would love to do a one-on-one -on -one with you at some point, Chase, but um, yeah, welcome in. Any Anytime, I'm really excited to, uh, it's fun to, you know, we're all doing so many different things these days. Anytime we can get together, you know, in person is ideal, but virtually and, and easy like this is just a treat. So uh, super excited. And Tim, uh, it's great to be on the phone with you. You're, uh, work is incredible. And of course, Ben, you and I go way back. So uh, Alid and, and Matthew, good to meet you you folks as well. And excited to uh, to be here and ho hope to add a little value today. 
Matthew, go ahead. I saw you on mute too. <laughs> go for it. I was just going to say amazing. And just before you got here, you know, Von Wong was talking about something he had learned from you and in, in the, the behind the scenes videos that, that you had started making a, a long time ago. And I just wanted to echo back what Von Wong has said, because sometimes he speaks in such amazing headlines and they almost fly by. But Von Wong, you said positioning yourself as being a guide and not just the hero when you're creating your work. And I just had to scribble that down because I thought that was such a well said way to think about the way that you can bring people along for the journey and uh, bring people into your work and the way that you've shared how you create the work that you do create. So I just wanted to echo that quickly. Um, and then I, now I that we have- There's oh, an entire- there's an entire book on this, by the way, if you want to read about it. It's by Donald Miller called Story Brand. Story Brand. Uh, and it's a, it's a book designed for anyone, like whether you're selling a product, whether you're selling a service, whether you're selling yourself. Um, the importance of positioning yourself as a guide rather than a hero is a really interesting one. One more time. Donald Miller is the author and the book is called? Story Brand, B-R-A-N-D. Story Brand, amazing. Um, cool. Well, we have, uh, we've got our quorum up here on stage. This is what we were... Um, this is the, the team that we were excited to, to be together with here. Um, so welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us for a little pre-show banter. And now we're gonna dive into it. Um, we are, and I think that this is just a, a really good um, way to, to kick this off, like getting this great quote from uh, Von Wong, getting this resource, Donald Miller story brand, um, you know, we, we're, we're hoping that uh, this room is going to be a place where we get some real um, actionable, thoughtful, um, unique perspectives, things that we can incorporate into our uh, careers, our creativity, our businesses. Um, and so I want to invite you to get a pen and paper to get, you know, ready for the conversation. We're, we're really excited about this, you know, and hoping that we use it for, for more than just um, entertainment or, you know, killing the time while we do the dishes, but actually can learn something today that'll, you know, help elevate ourselves. Um, and, you know, before we dive into the conversation, I want to briefly say we're here at the Photography Masterclass Club. Um, if you go all the way to the top of your screen, you'll see Photography Masterclass with a little green house there. That's where you can click on that house to follow the club and, and follow for more conversations like this. Um, and Waleed, I, you know, the founder of, of the Masterclass Club, Waleed, is here with us today. And Waleed, just briefly, I would love to hear a little bit more about your intention with the Photography Masterclass Club and the, the types of conversations um, that, that you've been hosting here before we kick off this conversation. Of course. Thank you, Matthew. Um, welcome, everybody on stage. Thank you very much. And welcome, everybody in the audience. The goal of this club that um, I guess, I don't know, I started maybe two, three months ago, and Matthew has helped me co-host a lot of incredible rooms here. Um, the goal is to be an extension of basically what I've been doing I have, for my Instagram account I've, for the past five plus years, trying to help the photography community as much as possible, whether it's branding yourself, pricing yourself, marketing yourself, or just taking a better photograph. Um, this is an extension of that. And I get to actually meet a lot of people and hear their voices that I guess I've been following over the years. So the goal is to have rooms just like this, where um, everybody on stage actually gets to share some of their real life experiences. You get to learn. And the goal every single time is 
I guess the the gatekeeping that I have in my head is, is this room going to benefit the photographer or the artist? Are they going to become a better version of themselves one way or another? If they are, we absolutely host it. If they um, don't, then we try to see how we can make it something that helps the community. So that's pretty much what Photography Masterclass does. Sounded like an ad, but thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> no, appreciate that context for it. Um, and so, you know, Von Wong got this uh, this group together and, and the title, Things Photographers Spend Too Much Time Talking About, thought was a really great one to, as a premise for a conversation. You know, we don't want to spend this whole time talking about things we spend too much time talking about. You know, we don't want to, I think, spend too much time talking about our cameras or our lighting or our you know, Instagram real tactics or, or things like that. So I wanted to flip the question on its head and, and ask the question, you know, what do we spend too little time talking about, thinking about, executing on? Um, but before we get to that, I think that we need to do some brief introductions just to, to set the, the quick tone for the room. So can we just briefly go around and Von Wong, Tim, Tim and, and Chase, can you guys give us the, uh, the, the quick hello, the quick bio? Uh, I'll try. So my name is Benjamin Von Wong. I'm an artist and activist. Uh, have generated over 100 million views for different causes like ocean plastics, fast fashion, and electronic waste. Uh, I live on the intersection of fantasy and impact, and I love creating things that I've never done before, uh, involving as many community members, volunteers as possible. If you happen to be in Montreal and want to collaborate, I have something mixing up this summer. So definitely send me a DM and uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Off to you, Tim. I'm Tim Tatter. I'm a photographer, director, artist. Um, I try to make the best pictures possible always. Um, they're always a little bit weird, um, maybe a little bit different, um, but that's a lot like me. So um, take a look at my work if you have the opportunity and um, I hope I can add value. Thanks, Tim. Chase. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Chase Jarvis. Um, I am a photographer, lifelong photographer, uh, and an entrepreneur, I try and come from the position of whether I'm, you know, shooting photographs or building a product or building a business. I'm also the founder of Creative Live. Uh, so whether I'm doing any of those things, uh, it's it's all art, including sort of creating the living and the life that uh, I want for myself. And part of my biggest goal in life is to help others do the same. I feel super blessed to have stumbled into uh, what I was put on this planet to do. And I feel like that is a, there's a huge gap between so many people, what they are doing and the thing that they were put on the planet to do and helping people discover that and putting them closer to it is what I've, I've dedicated this, what I'm calling sort of the second arc of my career, uh, trying to be in service to that end. So super excited to be here. Uh, love Tim's work, uh, Ben, and again, just grateful to uh, to be here today. I hope we can create some value. So let's dispel the like <laughs> the simple one word answers and the the things that are black and white. And let's try and use the time today to talk about you know all of the stuff that is in the gray and that you know is not just shit that's written on walls and uh, and on our Instagram bios and handles to uh, to try and, you know, get someone to stop scrolling. Let's talk about the stuff and how hard it really is and how awkward and imperfect um, we all are on this sort of weird ass journey. So I'll leave it at that. Amazing. 
And, you know, obviously everyone on this stage is, is being very humble. We've already encouraged you to check out Von Wong's work and Tim's work, incredible. You know, you can go to their profiles, you can scroll down and click on their Instagrams to see some of the work and Chase, you know, a photographer founded Creative Lie, which is an incredible resource for all creatives. They have free content running online all the time, you know, encourage people to go check out Creative Live, incredible podcast, prolific podcaster, the Chase Jarvis Live Show, where you've interviewed incredible folks, uh, Creative Calling, your new book that came out, which I picked up and devoured over the past few days and um, and, and uh, really impressed by and, and a big fan of and really encourage people to check that out as well. Um, and I say all of that to dive into this first question about, you know, what is something time, what is something that we spend too little time thinking about? And so I wanted to throw this question to you, Chase, um, which is you've you've done a lot of things, you've accomplished a lot of things. Um, and I think that as creatives, we're told a lot to set goals, set goals, set goals, be working towards something all the time. And I was curious to flip that question and ask you how do you let go of goals that you've previously set? Like, how do you know if a goal isn't serving you anymore? And how do you let go of that? Like, I feel personally, I'm really good at setting goals and pursuing goals, but I'm kind of bad at letting go of goals. And I was wondering if you have perspective. Whew. Um, starting out with the doozy right, right out of the gates here. Um, first of all, I really appreciate the nature of the question because it does align well with the you know the the title and the thought of the room and yeah i I tend to gravitate to things that are counterintuitive um and i think something that that strikes both those chords the chord that is the foundation of your question and this counterintuitivity which is like we're taught that everything that we do has to go towards a thing that if you've got 10 minutes that i need to be responding to dms and if i've got you know, that I have this goal. And if, you know, my goal is to lose 10 pounds or to get a new client or to uh, win an award or, and yet all of the best stuff in my life, like, and I mean, all of it has come from like quiet moments in between all the noise and the distraction, the 3 a.m. staring at the ceiling, which has, you know, has a negative connotation in our culture. And the this idea of the hustle porn and the goal orientation that you just articulated so eloquently and and just time to be time to listen to what's truly in your heart and that's where we go so wrong we're spending our, our fucking necks are busted from looking left and right and behind us so much we're looking at everybody else and yet all the best answers all the best things have come for me in this sort of quiet moment where culture would tell me I'm supposed to be doing something. And what I find is that answers to my biggest questions and what I should be working on and, and, you know, come from these, these quiet moments of being and, and being real and listening and sifting through the shit that your parents said and your, you know, the other handle on Instagram that you're competing with and all that other stuff. That's just a distraction from our true core hearts. And I think, you know, this is to me, it's a macro point. It does align with while we're, you know, the title of the, the, the show here today and, and your question. And it's just, we're obsessed with, um, with, you know, only doing things that apply to our portfolio or only doing things that have a uh, very clear ROI and yet the best shit in life 
is in the gooey, ambiguous things that nobody likes to sit with. So I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear, you know, what Von Wong and, and Tim have to say about it. But, you know, truly all of my best ideas, the ideas for the book and, and Creative Live and, you know, anything that people may be aware of me or my work around came from just like reading and then, you know, making some notes and then thinking about it and not being able to sleep and getting up at 3 a.m. And, you know, walking downstairs in my sweats and, you know, drinking orange juice and making notes in my journal. And this, none of those things were ever linearly oriented with a, you know, quote, goal or a shit that my peers told me to do or that I heard on Instagram. Um, Chase, I love that. And this Walid Von Wong, I guess, based on what Chase just said, do you, would you mind going in a little bit into how your creative processes or yeah, where do you get your best ideas? Is it when you're laying in bed? Is it on going on a walk? Or what, what's your process? <laughs> it's super interesting because I'm like, man, I want to be like Chase, where in the moments where I have absolutely nothing to do, I'm coming up with my best ideas because I feel like this pandemic year would have been a moment of miracles. But um, I unfortunately don't have a history, I think, of having done really wonderful things in my time off. Um, on my end, I think maybe to answer the same question, which which gets back to your point, Waleed, um, I spend a lot of time thinking about where I'm trying to go, and so it's it's like I think a lot of people think about, oh, I want to I want to have a better portfolio, or I want to get more gear. I think of like, why do I want all these things? Like, what what would happen? What what could I do if I had access to all these things that I'm aspiring for. Like, what, what is the future I'm trying to build for myself? Like, why do I need all these things? So I spend a lot of time kind of marinating on the why. Uh, and it's probably because I haven't transcended to Chase's level yet of, of having faith. Come on, that, bro. Come on, <laughs> having faith that everything will like work out and line up perfectly. I don't quite have that yet. So um, uh, embedded in that sort of pursuit for purpose and clarity um, lies, I think, a certain amount of insecurity. Um, but that being said, I think maybe one really interesting analogy that I, I recently heard from a, a, um, a, a TED talk by an artist called Raghav uh, KK. And uh, he was taking like, you know, we often think of like the future as something in, in far away that we're kind of running towards. But a, a better analogy is, is like those obstacle games where you have to like jump over an obstacle or dodge it or like jump to like get the little gold coins is that the future is actually coming towards us nonstop. And we're always in the same place because we are always in the present. Um, but if you start thinking about what the future looks like, if you can, if you can start looking farther and farther ahead, then you can, you can start figuring out what you want to draw to you, what you want to build and bring into your life. Uh, and, and what are the obstacles that are coming ahead that you want to start dodging away from? And in that way, you sort of gain control uh, over the, the near future as you start visualizing further and further ahead um, what you're trying to actually accomplish and why and how it's all going to play out. And I thought that was just such a beautiful analogy that um, encompasses how I try to attract serendipity, meaning, purpose, and all these other things uh, into my universe. Man, I love that reframe for, because I always think about goals and goal setting as this this point you set somewhere far away and then you you sort of put one foot in the front of the other and you march towards it and you recalibrate your compass. But what a reframe to think about the world, the future coming towards you and you being in the present and your goals and your tools and your learnings being 
um, you know, the, the tool set that you use to dodge those obstacles. That's that's pretty incredible. You said it was Ragahav KK. Will you spell that for us real quick? Yeah, Ragahav, R-A-G-A-H-A-V, and then double K. He's actually on Clubhouse, and uh, I'm going to be on a panel with him tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, now I know what I'm doing. Nice plug. Yeah. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> well, well, I was like, who is this guy that I'm on a panel with? I need to stalk him and figure out what he's about. And I just landed on this amazing metaphor. <laughs> amazing. Um, hey, Tim, I wanna, wanna, uh, oh, Chase, please. Sorry, I want to I want to invite Tim because I think Tim's going to have something really smart to say on this topic. But I want, just a clarifying thing, like the goals that I'm talking about goals as they are. I'm obsessed with goals and you know how I found love in my family was through achievement. And we can talk about childhood trauma and that, that cuts both ways. But I, there's what I find in talking to people and listening and you know being in this on this journey, you know, we've all been as creators and entrepreneurs over the you know past whatever. If you're new to the game, we've been here forever, the stories tend to be the same. That the biggest like people trying to find what feels like meaningful work for them. And like, oh, I, I know that I need to do a photo project that's going to get me from here to there. Or I know I need to build up my portfolio. These are obvious things. When I'm trying to help people uncover and the stuff that was the murkiest for me, that if you don't want to spend all the time just chasing your tail, doing the shit that everyone else is doing, that it, you know, the, the, the primary stumbling block is trying to figure out what that thing is for you. And it's that comes out in the listening and, you know, of course, doing because you do things and then you figure out you're not going to decide these things from the couch. And it's this combination of this is where the stew is. This is where the swamp is. And if you get lucky enough to make it through the swamp, then the goals, they become easy. They become like obvious. And there's my North Star. And of course, I want to be, you know, on the path to those things. But that every step that you take has to be towards a goal only works if you know if you've truly listened to what's the that primordial soup that's going on inside of you and i feel like that's where most people stumble i'm i believe that the folks who are listening right now you know the couple hundred folks who are watching or listening rather like if you gave them the thing that was going to transform their life and tap into the thing that they knew they were put on this planet to do i don't think we'd have problems executing on that because right? everyone you you have this insane amount of energy when you tap into that thing and that's what ali and laurel and amory and nejin and erica and all these names that i'm seeing if, if they if that was obvious what to do they would be doing it what yeah, i find I is the mystery is that it's not obvious because we're all different and we're looking to our left and to our right and everyone else seems to have their purpose figured out and so it's trying to like I don't think it's the goals, like the goals, and we've got enough cultural inertia and and wisdom, and there's enough books and enough stuff to you know to to tell us how to make a smaller list and do things on a daily basis. But what are the right things, and what should we be doing? To me, that's where you know the folks that have tapped into their relative genius. That's what I feel like is there's a gap. And, and sorry to like to to you know interrupt there, but. I, I loved, you know, Ben's quote, and and I'm dying to hear what Tim thinks about this stuff. Dude, you just you just dropped my thunder right there. You that was exactly <laughs> maybe maybe I've been dropped maybe I've been listening to too much Chase Jarvis live. Um, I wanted to um, first Von Wong like philosophy always from you is tremendous and and on point and perspective changing. And then um, Chase, that 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 was kind of the point I was going to to get to um, is finding joy. Right. And, and I think 
you know, there's this great quote, like, um, you're just, you're not lazy. You just don't like what you're doing. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with that is, the, is there, they don't have any joy in what they're doing because they're, they're, they're guessing uh, to try to solve problems as, as opposed to being instinctual of, and following their energy and following their inner voice that tells them to do something. They want to, they want to do things like others. Um, and they want to get, they want to be Chase Jarvis and they want to play his playbook, but his playbook is not your playbook. Um, and, you know, and, and his playbook um, has led him to tremendous success and, and tremendous, you know, opportunity and passion because that's his purpose, right? And he's followed that. He's not trying to be like anybody else. He's trying to blaze a path. And, and, and if more people did that, like you said, Chase, um, I think more people would achieve their goals. The challenge is, is that the energy that they want to have is not their natural energy and their, and their pathway that they're walking down is not their intended path and therefore they struggle. And I can always feel that in my own work is that when I'm doing something that's not right for me, I, I, it, the world tells me, right? Not only does the world tell me with affirmation or not, or lack of affirmation, but it doesn't feel right. It may feel right for a short term, but it doesn't feel right for the long term. And really learning to listen to that is how I, is how I, you know, achieve goals, right? Because I, 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 I feel the pathway as opposed to, you know, say, hey, I want to, I want to do this because what I want and what is best for me are two different things. And trying to really find what's best for you as the individual artist and the creator and and the photographer or whatever you are, um, you know, you you have to be in tune to to be like, I really enjoy doing this. This is what I dream about. This is what I wake up at three thirty in the morning and write in my journal about to steal um, a, a a good reference. Um, this is what makes it different, and and you have to be confident that that's going to lead you where you want to be. The problem sometimes is confidence, support. People have different backgrounds. They have different experiences that prevent them from believing in themselves. Um, they have, you know, maybe they had a father figure or parent that, you know, never believed in them. And, and, and it's really hard to have, to believe in what you're doing is right. So in my opinion, like that's been my struggle is to, is to, is to is to channel that energy of, of of when it feels right to go with it as opposed to not being instinctual and not being uh true to, true to one's own perspective if that makes that's sense the, that's the thing that no one tells us that's why this is the topic right now it's like 100%. the things we spend too much time talking about it's what do we not talk about and what we don't talk about is the people that you look up to respect admire appreciate uh you know, regardless of whatever cultural level of quote success, uh, I like to speak in terms of fulfillment rather than success. But that's the thing that's missing from the discourse is that this that you get all kinds of advice. No one's shy on, you know, either giving or receiving advice. You've got parents and career counselors and peers and friends. And what they're all telling you is the thing that they heard. And usually the people who gave up on their dreams are the ones that are the most vocal in telling you how to do yours. And, totally. this, <laughs> and, and we're, we're stuck in this paradox of, wait a minute. So the people that I care about the most and that I know care about me, my parents, my friends, my spouse, you know, the, the, the ones who are quick to give me advice, whether my idea is good or bad, or my passion is the right one or the wrong one, or fits my strengths or doesn't. Those are the people who are unfortunately not qualified to tell you if the person that you, if you found what you're supposed to be doing in your heart and the person that you look up to admire, appreciate has done that thing, then they're qualified. 
and discerning qualified from unqualified and who you should take advice from and who you should not, these are not skills that we are empowered to, to uh, uh, grow and, and muscles that we should develop. It's just the opposite. So it's so just the have, opposite. And that's why it's hard. Yeah, I have a, so I have a deepening question for both of you then in that case. So I find it, you know, it's, it's easy or easy, quote unquote, it's easy to say, like, follow what like really drives you and what lights you up and all that. But when it comes to practice, how do you, how do you distinguish between things that you want from a short term gain perspective versus the ones that you go like, I'm going to invest in this thing now, because in 10 years, this is where I'm going to be and to trust in this completely radically new direction, especially given the fact that this pandemic has just happened, everyone's been sat down, everyone's had a lot of time to think. But how do you know, how do you distinguish right from wrong, good from bad? What's, what's the true go or no go? For me, I think for me, it's, it's um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll try something new and different, you know, and, and, you know, it'll either work or it won't work. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean I give it up. I look at it instinctually and say, like, you know, did I put the effort that I need to be successful in this? Is it a fair, is it a fair goal? Um, is it a fair shot? Because it, I'm not quite sure. So maybe I'll persevere because because you can't just kind of wish and wash and jitterbug around. You need to you need to be, be able to persevere because life life doesn't always show you it as a golden brick road that you travel down. Like there is a lot of perseverance and is more complex than than that. But I think it is that kind of like last thing you think about and, you know, before you go to bed and wake up in the morning and that like listening to yourself as what you're thinking about, like in between things and like, you know, your, your individual excitement, all these are like, are like, you know, buoys in a, in an ocean that give you, you know, show you the way. Right. And sometimes if my goal is to shoot something or create something that I've seen before that someone else does, like immediately I know that, that's not right. Like that's not going to lead me anywhere, but to be an echo. Right. And so I think about it differently and, and, and kind of listen to my thoughts and I might be like riding my bike. And then all of a sudden I'll start thinking about that one thing again. And I'm like, that is a, that for me is like the beacon in the, in the fog pointing me in direction, like my subconscious or my thought process, like brings me back and learning to pay attention to that. Right. Like is what has been successful for me and trying to be like others because we all we all all of a sudden don't get a job because some other guy got it or we all you know all of us all creators right and we're like well maybe i need to do what he does because i really would have want that job but that always leads me to failure and and what leads me to success is like when i go out and do something like totally unique and and random and and people look at me like whoa like i like that and and that is like your inner voice and your instincts um, you know, leading the way. And so that's, that's what I keep coming back to. And it's not like immediate, it's, it's over time. You have to be patient and persevere and kind of like listen to it over time. Does that, does that answer that question? Yeah, for sure. It's a good, I wanted to ask real fast on this. Um, this question is for Chase. And then of course, let's jump to Tim and then, uh, Von Wong also, one of the things that, you know, we keep talking about is that, there's so many things that we don't talk about, you know, advice is free and everyone's giving it out. And like Chase, you said, are they qualified to give you that advice? But one of the things that I personally think a lot of photographers do is that they, um, they skip, they want to skip the voyage and they want to skip the journey and they want to get right to the rewards. And I wanted to know if you'd be open to speaking Chase first about 
how many years you shot in the first arc of your career before you entered your zone of genius and you're like this is it now i'm in a flow um yeah would you mind opening up about that because i think a lot of starvers need to hear this is not an overnight thing um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i'm happy to talk about that and uh i, I chuckle just because it's you know it's um this dovetails a little bit with with uh von wong's question for that, that tim so eloquently answered and this there's this duality and the duality is long-term vision short-term action and those are sort of two ends of the extreme right any time which is where we spend unfortunately so many of the people who I, I, I work with or talk to or who are on this journey are it's not about short-term action or long-term vision it's it's the worst shit, which is it's all midterm beige, like kicking the can down the road, because this is what, you know, the person X or influencer Y or, you know, friend Z told me to do or thought was right. Or, and this is this, this, I keep talking about this paradox. And if we, if we, um, deconstruct this idea of long-term vision, short-term action. I think it'll, it'll help. And I'll use my own journey as the example uh, in support of Waleed's, Waleed's question. The long-term vision is anytime you're, you're forced to do short-term shit. And that's to be, let's be really clear. Everyone who's on this stage has been forced to do short-term shit. And by short-term shit, I mean, pay the rent, get a job, uh, you know, fix a, uh, leaky faucet. I mean, the, the stuff that is made of real life. And I, so let's just agree that that is, that happens. But the reality is that that's not, you know, the, the, that, that that's not what I'm talking about, about short term. Those are things that are real. You got to pay the rent. You got to put food on your table and you're in your belly. When I'm talking about short term and, and I'm talking about action, like what are some things that I can do in support of this, the, the long-term vision? And the, the long-term vision for me started out to with, I realized that I was on a path. And if you, you know, read my, my book, Creative Calling, this is going to be a, a replay. If you haven't, I encourage you to check it out um, because I, this, is the, this is the truth for me. The abbreviated version is I was doing the shit that everybody else told me to do. And I, it looked good on paper and felt shitty in my body. And when I was originally sort of uh, attuned to that and, and I, I still kept, I was on that hamster wheel, the, the hamster wheel of everybody else wants this, you know, these level of achievements and these things for me felt like that was what I was supposed to do. All the signals in culture were telling me that that was what I was supposed to do, but I still felt this sort of gap between that and my true self. And for me, it was uh, someone very close to me died in a very sudden way. And I, I, you know, sometimes that's what trauma does. It's a role that trauma can serve is to have you look closely at your shit. What I would like is that, boy, wouldn't it be good if we could teach ourselves as a culture that we don't need trauma to look closely at this one precious life that we have. So for me, that was that it, it was trauma. So I hadn't achieved this higher vision that I have for for culture but whether you're a product of the trauma or not 
I then started saying, okay, great. What are the things that I want to do? And it mostly started out with how I spend my time because how you spend your time and your mental state, like what's going on in your, in your soul and your head and your heart, that's all we've got. All we've got is a series of nows. And so you might as well try and orient around the now being great. And we all have these moments, these experiences in our life where the moon felt in line with Venus and what we were doing and who we were with and and how we felt, all those things are repeatable. They're replicable. They're available to you. You can go back and do those things. And if those things aren't the same for you as they were at that time, and maybe they've changed, but it's available to you right this minute. And that's the thing that freaks most people out is that if what you loved, and in this case for me, it was running around with the camera and, and playing with my friends and spending time in the outdoors, that's how I ended up. My grandpa died, gave me a camera. I said, what did I love doing? And it was being outside skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding with my friends. That was the, the part of me that was so empty. And I traded it in for medical school and for a career in professional soccer and all these things that looked good on paper, but didn't feel good on my body. And so this is the, the goal, the, the, the role that I feel like this long-term vision, short-term action. It was when I was faced with like, oh my God, one precious life, what are we going to do? Uh, reconciled with a little bit of trauma and started looking in my past to do the things that felt good. And God, when you, when you tap into these things, talk about energy. And I think, you know, whether it was Tim or, or Bang Wong said it, it's like, that's, that is why people feel lazy and feel unmotivated and feel disconnected from their lives is because they're not doing that thing that they're supposed to be doing. And for me, it, it at first was small, you get a whiff of it. And then you repeat the thing and you say, gosh, I really got a buzz from that. I felt good. I was around people that I love doing something. And again, if it has, this is, if, if you can, if you can afford even for a moment to divorce yourself from the short term, like, what do I need to do tomorrow? This is part of what the big unlock is. I'm willing to eat a shit sandwich in the meantime to like put food on the table or whatever. And to have the long-term view that it's like, what is something that I could get up and do every day? What makes me feel great? And if it's, it's chances are it's weird and obscure. And, you know, I want to make a fly fishing show on YouTube and have people pay me to go fish all these cool places around the world. That sounds absurd, but what does it start with? It starts with fly fishing with your friends every day and starting to document it. And if you, if you can afford to do that full-time from day one, great, but I'm betting most people, you know, Huda and Aaron and Amy and Nell and Hillary and Megan, the people on this call, you can't do that. So what do you got to do? You got to do something in the short term to put food on the table. But how much time and energy can you put toward doing the thing that feels good when you do it? For me, that was photography. I started doing that, I, you know, waiting tables, parking cars, tending bar and with all of my spare time and energy was taking pictures and that desire to take pictures grew. And then the energy to figure out how in the fuck to do it was, was infinite because I was tapped into that thing. Now, fast forward, if you do that for one, three, five years, I promise good things are going to happen. The world starts happening for you, not to you. And, you know, without going into any more detail in my personal journey, this is a this is a recipe that is available to everyone that no one teaches us. And you know, as I, I know enough about Von Wong and Tim's work, 
to see that they've clearly tapped into that for themselves. And for all the folks listening here on the show today, like my ask of you is what can you do to put yourself in that environment where you get to be true to yourself in small, lightweight ways on a regular basis, such that you can be in service. Again, what are you doing in the small daily actions that ultimately can serve something that is a long-term vision? How do you get out of this ugly, messy middle that culture has prescribed that has you left feeling empty and disconnected? Uh, I'll stop my rant. (laughs) No, this is beautiful. And thank you for sharing such, you know, personal stuff, but also such universal stuff. It's, um, it's really beautiful. And that part of the book where you talked about your personal journey and and the different, I mean, there was a couple traumas, um, it sounded like throughout your, your journey that sort of recalibrated the compass and I think that it's um it's it's so meaningful to to hear it and and von Wong I was I was curious from you because I know you had a transition also of sort of similar to Chase being you know studying something at school and then finding photography later and and I was curious to hear about that inflection point from from you also but before we do that I just want to quickly reset the room um, I want to invite the audience, if you're enjoying this conversation, there's a plus button down at the bottom of your screen and you can ping people into the room. So if there's anyone um, that might be on the app that might be in, that might enjoy this conversation, get something out of that, I want to encourage you to hit that plus sign, poke at a couple of your friends and ping them into the room if, they, if you think they might enjoy this. Um, this is the Photography Masterclass Club. It's at the top of your screen. You can click on that green house and follow along with the club. And of course, um, everyone that you see on stage or in the audience uh, to give a follow to, so you can be, um, you know, see more rooms like this in your in your hallway. Um, with all of that said, Von Wong, I remember from when we interviewed you, you were studying, I think it was engineering, and you hadn't found photography yet. Was it a trauma? Was it an inflection point? Was it something as dramatic as what Chase described, or, or how did you get? Um, how did you do the listening that we were talking about earlier to uncover what it was that was really your path? I had a traumatic breakup uh, that led to me picking up a camera. No, it was, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, basically bought a camera after a breakup and I was looking for something to keep busy um, to do. Um, you know, interestingly, when you, when you look back, I, I don't know, I give a lot of talks and presentations. And when I look back and I stitch my story together, and I try to wrap it in a beautiful package with a little bow at the end. Uh, it's really easy to do that because now I have 10 years to stitch together so that it all makes perfect sense. Um, but, I, but I have so many memories of just being in the middle of it and not knowing what the hell is going on. And, and I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like in the present, I am always confused. I'm always doubting. I always have some sense of, of, of what I'm doing. Um, and and maybe, maybe my saving grace is not so much clarity of where I want to be, but impatience towards the things that I know I don't want to have. So the reason I quit my day job wasn't because I wanted to be a photographer. It's because I, I woke up one day and I was like, why am I even going to work? If I don't, like, I, I, I know I don't enjoy doing this if I don't know what I want to do in 10 years, um, but I know, what I, I know what I definitely don't want to do, then I better start looking. I, and, and that was the impetus for quitting. Uh, and it was very similar when I got kind of my first, like I had, I had like my most lucrative two uh, year of my career somewhere in 2015. I, uh, I, I touched the, uh, I, I touched the money that a global campaign could bring me, 
um, and and uh, and it almost made me quit photography because I was just like, this is fun. This was what I was aspiring for. But once I got there, besides my bank account feeling good, I it, it didn't feel right. So I actually um, started doing documentary films. Um, and, and realized that that was also boring and it only took six months to be bored. And so I have a very low tolerance for things I don't enjoy uh, because I'm basically a princess, I guess. Um, but that doesn't give me much confidence in, in where to head next. Um, and so the reason I kind of, I don't know, I, I like sharing also the moments of vulnerability. Like this last year for me has been really hard. Um, I see myself as less and less of a photographer, even though it's what I'm most known for. And, and there's a sense, there's a misalignment of my present identity uh, and, and, and where I think I want to be. And, I, and I'm unsure how to recalibrate those things. Um, but that doesn't keep me from doing and trying and experimenting and playing and exploring. Um, and and, and I'm, you know, I think it's so interesting when I look at both Tim and Chase, who are, I think, both a little bit older than me, who, who are more than just photographers. I mean, they're, they're artists of life. They both they have businesses that they run, they have studios, they have multiple channels of communication. And there's this expansion of spirit where I think when, when we get reduced to just being one title that people can introduce you on a stage to, or, or like the one thing that you're known for, the one thing that you do, I think as human beings, we are so much more than that. There is so much more we can accomplish. There's, and, and, and figuring out how to narrow that down is where I get a little bit confused and lost and and yeah, but it always makes sense at some point. It always makes sense at some point. <laughs> so a little bit of a non-answer. I just want to interject real fast. Well, apologies, Tim, just one second. I know because you're going to give something brilliant right after that. But um, I love that both Von Wong and Chase, you both said something about it not feeling good. And I couldn't help but think about when I put my camera down for eight months, I was like, that's it. You know, and, I've, and I was shooting some incredible people. I was like, that's it. I no longer, it no longer feels good. And Chase, every time... When you said it didn't feel good in your body, it was like, I, I or the the tightness. I realized every time I made a bad move in my career, um, because an agent asked me to do something, because you know I felt like someone was strong arming me into something, and I allowed that to happen. It was I realized that the common denominator was my chest would tighten up every single time, and ever since then, that's been one of my guiding lights of decision making if the chest tightens up i say no no matter what opportunity it is no matter how big the check is so i love that you said that and then von wong you said it didn't feel good um so just want to applaud that for a second yeah that, that that i was just going to dovetail on that and say a similar thing it's like this is an ongoing calibration it's not like you find your pathway and then you're in the promised land. And I'm sure Chase and Von Wong and, and Waleed and Matthew will all agree that it's a constant cal calibration. I don't think people talk about that uh, enough. Um, and, you know, so when we say, you know, things Tog spend too much time talking about, the obvious is there. They spend time thinking they don't have the right gear, they don't have the right lights, or they don't have all the stuff, or they don't have the opportunities because they don't have an agent and all those things. But the reality of it is, is that maybe they're not listening to the things that are telling them, you know, the pathway and continuing to listen to them. I know for myself in my career right now, I'm struggling with 
um, you know, spending my time as a as a graphic designer and a uh, and a writer to um, convince clients that I can do jobs. And I was like, you know what? I, my career was more prolific when I spent time in the studio creating my own artwork, um, not, you know, showing people the way. And, and I'm realizing now that like, that's my energy telling me that I'm on the wrong path, right? This is a path to nowhere. And, and no matter if the industry likes it and they expect that, I don't care because it doesn't make me feel good. And that uh, sense of like, not in, in the joy is those red flags and and um, and I need to recalibrate and I'm recalibrating um, and then you know and hopefully I'll find my way back to the to the place of of, of my pathway. So um, so anyway, just stop telling on that. I you know Chase like I've listened to your podcast over the years at times and and um, and you know I keep coming back to it. You have so much wisdom um, and I really applaud you for for dedicating yourself to creativity the way you have and for giving so much to others. Um, because I know it takes a lot of energy to do so. So, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of same sentiments and maybe it is because I've been listening to you for so long. Well, Tim, I've been watching and listening to the work that you've put out in the world for a decade. And so it's, let's join the mutual admiration society. And I think like just, just what you've just spoken, it, y'all, the truth sounds different, right? And Tim just said like, I'm, you know, I know right now that the thing I'm doing is not the thing. And to hear from someone like Tim that in the moment right now that he's spending time doing the wrong thing, this is the awareness. This is a muscle that you develop. And it's not to, it's not to, to uh, pretend for a moment that once you figure it out, you're only on your path. That's the thing about the path is that we wander off this path and what you get good, where you develop the muscle, is in listening to that intuition, the intuition that Waleed just mentioned, recognizing that, you know, and it manifests in all kinds of different ways uh, in how, how it feels into your body and how it feels in your soul. And, you know, the we are calibrated in a Western culture to think about, you know, the, the rational mind has the answers. The science is very clear on this, that the rational mind is actually quite slow. It's very subject to bias. It's easily distracted. And that is why I'm sort of invoking this whole body um, mentality that, that, is, it, that relies quite a lot on intuition. And you know, if you've ever found someone who tells you to ignore your intuition, you ought to ignore that person. Because, you know, the, the body stores memories and, you know, our cells, like when that's why it feels, you know, this gut feeling, that's why they call it a gut feeling or what Lee talked about it in his chest. And you can say that the shit that's coming out of my mouth right now is woo, woo but the reality is the science actually backs this up. That this is, this is whole body knowing, this is knowing with the capital K, not just with the rational mind and when you start to be able to trust that, trust people, trust decisions, trust, and you do it once, it feels so fucking uncomfortable. And then you do it. And then on the other side of that decision, how do you feel? You feel better. Even if it was in the face of the things that your parents, your peers, your counselor, your, your industry had said. And every time you attune to that and you, you, you flex that muscle, even in small, lightweight ways, you're developing it to be able to make sort of the best decisions and to be able to truly guide your, your next step and these actions. And 
again, this is the, the, if we do take the inverse of this room, not what we spend too much talking about, but what we don't talk about enough, and I'm not talking about photographers, I'm talking about our culture, is you imagine a world where more of us did the things that we were attuned to do, that, that if we listened to our, and, and could train ourselves to listen to this part of ourselves, what, you know, what was, what's possible culturally, transformative stuff can happen if, you know, the people that you're next to on the freeway and traffic are not pissed because they're doing shit they hate. Now, this is a very idealistic vision, I realize, but once you start applying this to your own life in small, lightweight ways, you start to understand that this is actually how the best shit in life comes to be. So I'm really grateful that we are, that we've managed to flip the things we spend too much time talking about into the thing that we don't spend enough time talking about and, and credit to everyone um, for taking us past just photography and into a, you know, even a broader perspective. I just think that it's really beautiful and something that, that Chase, you just spoke about and, and Tim, you mentioned as well. And Von Wong, I think you were hitting on this too. Um, this idea that it's not just a linear path that like this listening and this act of um, trying to get closer to your intuition and and find the thing, find the joy, find the passion um, is like a cycle. It's something that keeps on happening. Like Tim, you're expressing right now. I'm sure you've done it before in your career and you're having the experience right now. Um, and, and I wanted to ask a follow-up question um, about sort of like tactical ways to do that listening um, chase reading, creative calling, there was these two chapters that came or, or two sections that came right after each other that I found a little bit of tension in that I'd be really curious your your thought about and I think gets to this question of tactics for how do you find your 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 thing. Um, and it was, you know, the idea of experimentation and placing lots of small bets and being whimsical and playing and not doing things just that are goal oriented on the one hand, and then on the other hand is this advice that we're really given as photographers a lot of finding your style of doing one thing over and over again and becoming the best at it um and i i guess i've thought about it in the past as sort of a continuum like first you experiment and then you find your style and then you just do that thing but i'm feeling right now um that, that maybe it's more cyclical and, and that the, the constant experimentation is important and, and i was just curious if you had um, more perspective on that. Um, great insight. And I think you you tapped into the thing that uh, I was trying to underscore in the book. And it absolutely is a continuum. There's this experimenting. If you don't know, you're never going to decide from the couch. You're never going to figure it out from sitting there scratching your chin. And this is why tasting a lot of things, experimenting. If you're not sure, you know, say yes to more things. And then certainly when you, when you, you know, tap into those things that bring you joy and you start doing that more, you know, how does that feel? And that, you know, then you, you go on this journey of a personal style where the, uh, there's a chart in the book that uh, I came up with, which is basically it underscores this point of doing, you know, taking small lightweight actions that you, you know, quickly, if you want to do more of those things or less of those things. And then when you find the things that you want to do more of and you start doing them, that you then hone in on your particular unique set of gifts that you bring to the world or bring to your art or bring to whatever, you know, toward whatever you're endeavoring. 
but this this an overlay or a chart that I'd like you to overlay. I don't know what page it's on. I don't know the book that well, um, but it's it's the goal is over time that it's a positive slope to this line. That it is a straight line is fiction, and that's one of the things I was applauding Tim for sharing is that right now, you know, his his line, although on a career his slope is positive, that right now his the 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 journey that he's on might be a uh on a, a downward slope and that is when these things stop making sense and you got to go back to step one which is like cool i'm going to go back to experimenting and playing and hanging out with you know different set of people or trying doing research in a new area and then he'll grab onto something and he'll apply it to his the lens that he has for his life and then he'll go back into a positive slope and over time if you can recognize this as a process and start to fall in love with the process that when the shit hits the fan, rather than panicking, you go, ah, hello, old friend. I see you again. Let's go. Let's go back to basics. What did I do the last time after I, you know, worried and and uh, fettered around in the mud for a little bit? I, I figured out that I just need to go back to the things that bring me joy and start to listen to thing one and do that thing. If it doesn't bring me joy, go to thing two. And, and you go back to the path of, you know, a small recovery with a small R say, but the goal to specifically answer your question is if you can do these things in a, in a continuum, develop when you tap into that thing, do more of it, then you go to your personal style. And when the shit hits the fan, just realize that you're back to step one and that this is a process you overlaying with the goal being a positive slope. You actually get good at it. Now, when shit's not going good for me, I'm like, ah, <laughs> enough messages have finally hit my thick ass skull that I need to go back and do the thing that I, you know, that I'm, <laughs> I put in writing. And if I've, you know, if you've ever written a book, you know, it's a very painful process, but the fact that I'm still vulnerable to the own, my own, um, you know, our, our human faults is, is a reminder that despite being, you know, seemingly having it figured out, I, I don't even take my own medicine. So stop feeling bad, realizing that this is, realize that this is part of the process. And, and how do you go back to basics? This is a, this is the story of life. The universe is not, is not, you know, linear and get used to that. And to me, that's that's where like self mastery starts to become apparent. If the, if you can reduce the time between crapping your pants that you don't know what you're doing and realizing that this is part of the process and and picking yourself up again to to start yet again, that is that's life mastery. So just briefly, um, in Chase, with your permission, I hope I'm not breaking any copyright laws, but I think I found the graph you were talking about and put it as my profile pic. So if you pull down like PTR from the top of the screen and pull down, my profile picture should update for everybody to the, Ooh, that's the graph. That's right there. Is, 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 that, wow. is, is, is that the one we're talking about? <laughs> that's is the that one. The, yeah. And now we imagine. just need a picture of that graph, but on a cycle, continuum, universal circle. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, well, thanks for doing that. I want to ask Tim because, like, a so grateful for Tim being vulnerable, and you know, this like let's take the pandemic and all this other stuff aside. But I want to ask if what what has been true for me 
is this, if that resonates for Tim at all, as someone who's, you know, watched your career from, uh, from a distance and sometimes, you know, up close, if this feels true for you and, you know, help the people at home realize that even Tim Tatter, you know, Tatter figures out that he's got, he's got issues too, and that he has to reinvent and press pause and that he gets off course does does this happen for tim tatter if it happens for tim tatter then i feel okay tim <laughs> tell, tell us if that's true <laughs> it's 100 percent true right and and um we have all these external pressure pressures that um that force us to kind of quelch that voice um because people depend on us right and we can't just all just like you know calaverly say like i'm just going to do whatever the fuck i want because it feels right like there is a temperance there right but um it absolutely happens for me. It's happened to me. It's happening to me right now. Right. And I, yet I have like agents and employees and all these people that are telling me to do something else because ultimately it benefits them that I get more jobs and they, they stay employed. And I feel that pressure because I want to provide, but at the same time, I know what made me successful and it wasn't being a graphic designer and it wasn't being a writer and those, if that, if I'm, if my work's being judged under that vantage point, one, I'm not, I don't love doing it. So the work that I do that I put out is not adequate anyway in those capacities. So I have to listen to that and say, look, like I'm not even putting my best foot forward. In fact, I'm putting my worst foot forward. These things are, I'm not good at, or I'm, I don't do well. Right. And, and so I got to, I finally have to listen to myself and listen to that voice and recalibrate. And you're a hundred percent right. Absolutely, 100% right. And I think I think the most successful people have that sense of self-awareness, not saying I'm successful, but saying that like that is a key to success in life, not just in photography, is having the awareness to know when your ship is adrift. Um, and, and, you know, and I've learned that through millions of podcasts and, you know, self-awareness is not something you wake up with. It's something you nurture and, and something you develop and something that um, is incredibly important and incredibly valuable. And we don't spend enough time talking about, you know, emotional intelligence and things like that because we get fixated on process. You know, what camera, what megapixels, what lighting did you use? And we don't look at, is this the right, is, am I doing something right for me, right? Am I doing something, am I listening to my inner artist? So I 100% am on your, on your page on that for sure. You just... Um... Also, also beautiful, Tim, and thank you for sharing that. And I just wanted to, to briefly say, I know that we're at 1230 here on the uh, West Coast. Um, Chase, I think that you have uh, a next thing. I heard that you might be able to stay with us a, a little bit, but I just want to um, check in, check the room, give you, give you a chance to, um, you know, if you have to balance, that's totally fine. If you have a little bit more time, that's great. Um yeah, I'm gonna hop in the car and start driving. So I'll I will try and like uh, I'm riveted, and uh, and I'll try and stay with this as long as I I can here, and I'll, I'll uh, raise my hand when I gotta bounce. But otherwise, I'm 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 gonna go nowhere. Just be uh, driving with a little background noise. I'll try and stay quiet in the background here, if, unless I got some something to say. Awesome. Well, you know, we we all obviously really appreciate you um, being here with us today and, and sharing all this insights. I've been feverishly taking notes over here, and I think that this conversation was exactly what we hoped it would be. 
um, and glad that you can stick around for a little while longer, even if uh, you're half, at least at least uh, ninety percent of your focus will be on the road, and ten percent will be with with us. Um, be be safe. <laughs> will do. I'm a passenger, so so. Oh, perfect. Even up. better. Great. All right. Perfect. Um, Walid, I saw you on mute. You were about to to jump in. No, I think that were you going to do a quick room reset, and then I wanted to ask Tim something real fast. Well, I am now. So thank you, everybody, for being here. <laughs> um, I hope you've been enjoying this conversation as much as I have been. Um, and thanks again to Mr. Von Wong for bringing us all together and uh, making this conversation happen. Um, obviously, you, you had a vision for, for what it could be, and I hope that it's living up to, to what you were hoping. Um, speaking... This is totally uh, selfish. I just wanted an excuse to talk with cool people. So with that, well, <laughs> thanks for entertaining me. Keep exploring your selfishness, man. I think it's working working well. That's a good voice to listen to for you, I think. Um, so we are talking with the amazing photographer uh, and activist, Von Wong, the amazing photographer and, and artist, uh, fine artist, Tim Tatter, and the um, incredible photographer and entrepreneur and author and prolific podcast host, Chase Jarvis. Um, we are here in the Photography Masterclass with the Photography Masterclass founder, Walid. Um, and I encourage you to go to the Photography Masterclass at the top of your screen. You can click the greenhouse. You can follow the club to get notified for more conversations like this. You can follow um, everyone that's on the stage in order to get notified of other conversations like this as well. Um, yeah, I think, was that, a, was that a room reset? We've got Chase for another 20 minutes and uh, we're gonna leave this room open until at least one when we lose everybody, I believe, um, just for some, uh, some info. Yeah, and Matthew, I hope you just muted yourself. We didn't, but um, also what Matthew was saying too, we're gonna open up the stage. So if you wish to ask um, any of these three gentlemen a question, please raise your hand and we'll bring people up. Um, but I wanted to just real quickly jump on what Tim said. And I, and I want to just give you the praise there too, because thank you for being so vulnerable about being so vulnerable about that. And I think that um, the more we as photographers, any kind of artist that you are, the more we speak about the valleys as and also the peaks, but let's also address the valleys of our career, the more we give people permission to continue going. And I think that there's the fact that you said that, and we have a photographer of your stature, you very well likely give somebody permission to continue on and that they're not alone in some of the struggles. So I just want to thank you for that. But I'd love to go to maybe each of the three gentlemen and if, do you have a method that helps you quiet the outside voices that tell you more followers, more Instagram engagement, more popularity, more clients, more fame, more accolades? How do you turn that off? Is it meditation? Is it journaling? What do you each do individually? I'm Waleed. I'm done. <laughs> um, thank you, Waleed. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that real quick. Um, I mountain bike uh, dangerously. <laughs> and and that clears my head um and and that is fitness exercise taking care of my body is good nutrition like all those like you know all those wellness things is what you know is really important to me to keep myself um in a place where i can be receptive to those voices and the voices that tell me yes or no and i know that if i don't do that if i'm in jail as i called in my chicago hotel room and I can't go to the gym and exercise and I can't walk around the city like 
it's not a it's not self-serving right and so i know that for me like you know body wellness leads to mind wellness leads to awareness for me um and and that's i think is so overlooked um in people's general general master plan is taking care of the the taking care of the external you know that your your skeleton your body your the, the your capsule as i like to call it um you know so that your mind can be clear and work well mountain biking is amazing so uh thank you for that what about you Bon Juan? i strategically wallow in misery <laughs> uh, i mean like I think just very practically, I mean, look at look at Chase's graph on Matthew's profile, there are ups and downs. And I, and I don't think any amount of enlightenment uh, can really get you out of ups and downs. Like they're, they're basically going to happen with or without your consent. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I, I tend to recognize it. I'll be like, all right, I'm going through a funk. It's my, I don't know, let's call it my man period. Uh, and it's probably going to last a week or maybe a month. And uh, I'm just going to Netflix and chill right now because uh, this is this. I have the time to do it. I'm not going to feel motivated. I'm not going to be practical. I'm not going to be effective. I'm not going to be efficient. Um, I'm going to the things that need to get done will get done based on a priority level. But there's times to be inspired and experimental and innovative. And there are times to just be a loser. Um, and so I just strategically acknowledge that it's time to be a loser uh, and uh, and rest, take advantage to sleep even more. Because uh, sleep is important, and I think a lot of healing happens through sleep, um, and let the rest happen from there. Uh, and it's a pretty unconventional response, but I, I don't know. I I don't think I've ever heard anyone else say that they just sit back and enjoy the the part of sucking, or try to enjoy the part of sucking, because uh, it's going to happen regardless. But that's important, you know. The only way out is through. Sometimes, uh, Matthew, you were about to say something, and then let's see what Chase does also. Yeah, I was just going to reflect back, you know, there's a, a saying that I always love, you know, I'm sure it's old, older than me that like, without the darkness, how do you appreciate the light or even recognize that it's light? So Von Wong, I do appreciate this sort of uh, strategic wallowing, because I think that that sets, um, it, you know, it puts the good stuff in perspective. Um, so I think that that is a, is a great perspective. Yeah, Chase, I don't know if you're still um, still I'm able here. to, oh, there he is. I'm here. Uh, really appreciated the two answers. And I don't think I have much to add other than my personal lens, but it's, it's, it's a lens that sees through the same vector as those two guys just talked about. Um, but my particular application of that is um, life is in seasons. I mean, think of, you know, wherever you are, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere right now, there's there their seasons and we see it you know visualized around us whether it's snowing or sunny or and you know think about sports they participate in seasons there is an off season and an on season and a season for training and a season for performing and like and yet we don't afford ourselves the, the same sort of grace that we see everywhere around us you know if you look at winter is a time where it's dark early people don't stay out all night and they it's it's a different mode of being in the world and if you know the birds and the animals and the plants can go through that season and if we look at the, the sports teams or the athletes you know there's there's an olympics every four years there's not olympics every two weeks and so we have these cues all around us that we actually 
sadly disconnect ourselves from. And so with Von Wong calls it wallowing, um, you know, that to me, just being aware of what season you may be in, you can want to change that as much as you can. And I think there's all kinds of work that we can do to minimize the shorter, the, the, the less productive seasons or the off seasons or the, the things where we're um, ebbing rather than flowing. But to pretend that you can take them away is just fiction. And that gets me to the second point, which is awareness. Like all you have in this world is where you place your attention, right? It's, it's truly all we have is just a series of nows. I said that earlier. And if you can be aware that this is happening, like that is so much of the power of, you know, I've referred to as self-mastery. Self-mastery isn't never getting into an off-season. Self-mastery is recognizing that you're in an off-season and how to be uh, compassionate and kind and you know, aware first that this is happening and then how do you treat yourself in those moments and how do you then maybe shift to an external focus rather than internal woes me and how do you go help others or be of service or Netflix and chill or go into a gathering mode for your next you know, your next um, performance, your next endeavor, your next... So this idea of seasons and then awareness to me is a, is a super powerful com, you know, com, um, you know, combination of things. And it's, this is just, it's, it's the same thing that Tim said and the same thing that my mom said. It's just, you know, that's the, the way that I've tried to look at it for, for you know, myself. Yeah, I love that idea of thinking of your life in seasons. I don't know, I'm sure you've read Jim Rohn. He was the first author that I read that sort of really put just like life in these different seasons um, that really struck a chord for me. And I um, really like the perspective of self-mastery being about not being in an off-season, not never getting into an off-season, but just learning to be aware of it. I think that's Wonderful. So thank you all three for those different perspectives from mountain biking to, um, you know, strategic wallowing to uh, <laughs> thinking about life and seasons and being aware of where you're at is uh, pretty, a pretty wide range. I like it. Hey, one other I've, thing real quick. Um, Tim's comment about mountain biking is recognizing that he's not in season right now or that it's a thing that he does with seasons with a small S between projects or between difficult days or whether it's, you know, a season that he's in. It, that is great medicine. That is medicine that gives you perspective that takes, you know, that takes care of your body if your artistic output is not on 11. Like that is a, a fantastic example. And his awareness of that I need to go mountain biking right now we all ought to have our mountain biking. And I, I, I've got a number of them. You know, if if one wants a Netflix and chill or wallow, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's the awareness and manifestation of these things that are going to you know, provide some sort of healing or balance or whatever the, the right word is, maybe different for you. But that's, to me, that's actually, like, that's the prescription. Yeah, and to, to tee up on that, I think the wallowing was an over-dramatization, <laughs> an over-dramatization, um, but totally agree. And I think there are also facets of yourself that you can explore. Um, I think for me, uh, if we just take the pandemic as an example, 
Um, I realized that there is a part of me that really loves speaking, just like we're doing right now where I'm sharing my experience, but there's a part of me that also really loves listening. And so because I love listening, I started a podcast um, and I wanted to just start hearing voices from other spaces. And I think there's a way to continuously grow regardless of what season you're in. I love the metaphor. So just wanted to add on to that. Cheers. Cool. Well, I wanted to invite Megan who joined our stage here to um, ask a question of the panel. Megan, um, I think hey. we met so I can't properly introduce yourself, uh, can't <laughs> properly introduce you. So I'll let you um, quickly introduce yourself and ask your question. Sure, sure. Thank you so much for allowing me on stage. And it's great to meet all of you and or, and or see you again. Uh, I'm Megan. I work for TechSoup. We're the largest global network of nonprofits in the world. Uh, we distribute, donated, and discounted technology and services to uh, 1.3 million NGOs daily worldwide. And I also have a mom who's an artist, and I do photography on the side. So uh, you can consider me an impact person, creative person, um, and always trying to think about how we can do more for the world. And I, I actually had a question particularly for Chase. I was so inspired by what you were talking about in terms of self-mastery and, you know, just all that you're doing with Creative Live. I am a big fan of that. And I'm always thinking, what more can we do to bring the healing powers of creativity to nonprofit leaders? They're all burned out. They're worn out. The pandemic, you know, it, when, when things like this happen, we become almost more in demand, right? Because social services are disappearing or are just maxed to, you know, maxed out and that can have a wearing effect on our leaders. But I'm trying to think through what more we can use creativity for to help mitigate some of that burnout and uh, thinking about, you know, all the tools and services that, that you all use. Are there things that you would suggest we sort of pass forward to those we serve? Uh, beautiful question, Megan. Thank you for uh, sharing and, um, Again, I don't think I have um, advice with a capital A, but I can tell you how I think about what you what you asked, and maybe we'll get close to what you're hoping for. Um, when and you mentioned Creative Live, and when the pandemic first hit, um, you know, we like everybody else, our business like radically declined in the first two weeks, and there was you know, panic, like, oh my God, what's happening? And you know, unlike so many people in our community, and I, I'm you know, eternally, I feel heart, just so much pain for everyone who has been dramatically affected in the negative. You know, our business quickly rebounded because, you know, hello, online learning, right? We've been talking about this stuff for 10 years, and it's like the world just woke up, which is fantastic. But I recognize in that moment of just basically immediate recovery, and then, of course, we've been, you know, growing like a weed this period that we may be in a position to help disproportionately help. And so what, what can we do? And without this being a free online ad, we immediately rushed to like provide as much free content. We basically, someone would take five and 10 X the amount of free stuff we put out every day, week, year, month. And to the point of billions and billions of minutes being consumed on the platform. And we saw ironically, uh, or maybe not, disproportionately people were seeking um, the classes around mental health and wellness. So meditation, mindfulness, all these things that we think of as disconnected from um, our professions or our careers or our jobs or family. And yet 
sort of, you know, I got this little pyramid that I like to think about. And at the bottom of the pyramid, the base, the thing that's required for human fulfillment is your mindset. And we often jump straight to the, like, what can we do? And the things that we can do, you know, it's making lists and it's, you know, applying for jobs and all those things that actually are so, you know, day-to-day, moment-to-moment helpful to be able to put food on the they call them required, put food on the table and put shelter overhead. And yet even those things are dramatically more difficult without this foundation of mindset. So, you know, first, what can we do? I think reprioritizing around, you know, again, I keep saying we've got this, what we have at our controls, the words that we say to ourselves and getting good at, at guiding those words in a productive way and, you know, whether it's self-mastery or other things. And that is a very counterintuitive um, idea that you have to take care of one's mind and oneself and one's mindset. You know, on top of that, our goal and my little pyramid are, are habits and goals because you are what you repeatedly do and what you repeatedly do is going to either help you or, you know, steer you away from your goals. But the foundation is mindset. So I say that because those are things that no one wants to hear. No one wants to hear that, you know, the, if you look at the highest performers in any category, whether it's, you know, Olympic pole vaulting or the photographers that you look up to or admire or entrepreneurs who built game-changing businesses, what differentiates the top, you know, 1% is mindset. So whether we're talking about NGO leaders or any one of, you know, I'm just looking, scrolling through here, whether we're talking about Tom or Tor or Jen or Susan, Marissa, like, we don't like to hear this because we don't often know what to do, but taking care of our mindset is thing one. So to me, that's a, uh, an indirect answer to your question. How can we help these you know, leaders and NGOs? To me, it's continuing to advance the conversation around mindset, mental, um, you know, uh, the things that we know help those things like mindfulness, meditation, awareness, practice, all the stuff that whether we like it or not has underpinned the conversation today so much about, you know, just thinking the last couple of questions, it's all ultimately boiled down to this stuff. And then two, specifically with Creative Live, like, you know, if, if there's a way that I can be helpful to you, you know, you can reach out to me in social and DMs and, and, you know, we're trying to do, because we are in a position to help now more than ever before, trying to do, and we've got more free programs. We're going to, we've got some exciting announcements in the next uh, quarter or two about ways that we can help. But what's just missing is understanding that mental health and wellness are key. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, woo-woo thing. It doesn't have to be um, so dramatic. It's just if we can make this a part of a life well-lived and you know, spread the rhetoric and have rooms like this where we're willing to talk. People are here to talk about photography and they're like, oh shit, Chase is going on about mental health and wellness. It's really, you know, they're the same. And everybody that you look up to and respect and appreciate who has longevity and staying power, that, that has been a cornerstone of, I think, their sustained success. So let's bring that to leaders in any discipline, whether it's the NGO world or otherwise. Wow, there's so much in what you said that was really awesome, but especially around, you know, reprioritizing mindset and how you're right, folks don't always want to hear that, but it is also an essential piece to 
to, you know, personal success, grounding, fulfillment, all of those things. And, you know, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing, especially if you're, you know, allowing all this free content and going through your own digital transformation. That's so fascinating. And it's true, as a photographer, we're always looking through our lens. What are we seeing in the world? And how does our mindset change that which we see? So it resonates a lot with me. And I absolutely would love to connect with you offline, Chase, if you're open to it, uh, to just hear more about what you're up to. And and uh, all the other photographers in the room, if you're interested in working with NGOs, uh, please reach out to me. I'm just really inspired by the talk today and appreciate all your time. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. And just to put, a, I think, a finer point on on what Chase said, like, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong, but Creative Live changed a bit of the business model after the pandemic and classes are free now for mental wellness and physical health um, categories. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, there's, um, I think if you go to creativelive.com slash health and wellness, or maybe creativelive.com slash wellness, and then it should be better. I mean, you already posted a graph, maybe you can track down the URL, but um, yeah, there's a, not all of them, but there's a huge subset hour, you know, tens of hours of uh, of content around meditation, mindfulness, um, yoga, stuff like that. I think it's um, creativelive.com slash wellness classes is the page that I'm on and it, it says 24 seven wellness when you need it. And it, there's a, a plethora of classes to, to choose from right there, which is awesome. There you go. Um, amazing. Well, this conversation was everything that I hoped it would be and more, and I'm deeply grateful for everyone's time, energy, expertise, insight, vulnerability, all of the things. Um, I know that we're rapidly approaching 1 p.m., which is what we said would be the hard out. So I think that I would just love to get some final words from um, Tim, from Von Wong, from Chase, from Waleed, um, and just just you know a huge thank you for everyone for being here. Sorry, I didn't close that out well. Von Wong, do you want um, to to give us your your last thoughts here, especially since it was you know you who had this vision and, and pulled this room together, and we appreciate you doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's just it's so fun that you know we 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 started off with a simple question, and we elevated it to kind of what is the meaning and purpose, like how do we become better human beings, not just better human doings, and I think it transcended you know the the what we do and talked about the you know how we be. And I think there's something really beautiful about where the conversations ended up. And I hope that everyone in this room also gained something out of it. Um, sort of my, uh, I, I didn't necessarily have a, a, an expectation except to gain a bunch of new insights and have the opportunity to have a conversation in the only way that is currently possible right now and also making that public. So thank you, Walid and Matthew for doing such a wonderful job of uh, curating an amazing conversation. And thanks to the entire audience for being here and hanging out. I hope you also got something out of it. Definitely give a follow to you know everyone on stage and uh, hope you guys uh, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, week and maybe take a little moment after this conversation to think about what you've learned and let it sink in because inspiration fades really, really quickly. And if you don't put it into action, likely you know any, anything here that resonated with you will just kind of fade off into the darkness. So big hugs to all. I love that you just said that, Von Wong, and I just want to echo it really quick. I think that one of the dangers of Clubhouse is there's so much opportunity to listen and talk and connect and learn and take notes, but it's really in the implementation that the magic happens. And so I just want to echo what, what Von Wong said to just take a moment. And if you took some notes to review them, to maybe just think of one 
action, one step that you could take to kind of implement anything that um, resonated with you here today. I think that that's such great uh, advice. Um, Tim, any any final thoughts? I was going to try to make a joke about like, oh, I wanted to ask you about your camera. What, what kind of light do you use? <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me about Instagram Reels. And, and I would have said, you don't ask the chef what kind of stove he uses. <laughs> so um, Ben, Ben Monbong, thanks for setting this up first and foremost. Um, you know, I, I'm, I just, I love your um, consistent, um, consistent pathway to inspire others um, and being selfless in that manner. Um, and so thank you for that. And Chase, um, it is a pleasure to share a, a stage with you. Um, you know, uh, much respect. Um, and Waleed and Matthew, thank you guys for, for having me again. Um, you guys run a great, a great room and provide a lot of value. And I'm always happy to, to, to dedicate time for that. Um, yeah, I, I, I just feel, I feel, you know, honored to be here um, and to be able to share some of my story and some of my process and some of my journey. Um, so I'm just humbled to, to, to have a, a chance to help others and add value and, um, yeah, I just I just encourage people to persevere and listen, listen to your voices um, that that point your ship. Um, but you you have to keep you have to keep grinding because um, it's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for for Matthew, Waleed, or or Ben, um, or Chase. Even every day, I'm sure Chase wakes up with with a struggle, um, and so that's okay. Um, but you have to keep fighting. All right, that is a wrap. But before you go, hey, I wanted to say thank you so much. And I do note that many of you have asked how you can help me out there in the world. And I have a great answer for that. And it is sharing this show. Um, my goal is I create this content with a, with a talented, hardworking crew over here at Creative Live. And our goal is to get this information out there into the world, help the, the greatest creators and, and entrepreneurs of our time get their ideas spread far and wide. So you sharing your takeaways or just links to the show, any of the podcast platforms or whatever means the world to me. Thing two, how you can help if you care is to leave a review at your preferred podcast platform. That also helps surface uh, this show, the guests uh, in, in search results on each of the platforms. And it means a lot. So thank you so much. Really, really grateful. And I'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode, hopefully soon, maybe next, maybe right after this, maybe you're going to listen Anyway, whenever you get around to it, I'm here. Thank you.